You are listening to Engaging and Exciting Conversation on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Get ready. Now. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to the Radiant Culture Podcast. My name is T-Mac. And I'm Cookie Monster. And we have PC in the building. I'm always so happy when you join my PC. How are you doing? Hi, guys. I'm excited to be here. And I know that those that are listening are also going to enjoy today. Yes, they definitely will. Today, we're talking about something that I think we all kind of have an idea what it means, what it means to us as Christians, but maybe like... The definition may vary from person to person. So we're talking about faith. Having faith, faith thing, it's like a verb, it's a noun, it's so many things. So we're going to be talking about that today. And PC says it's one of his favorite topics in the whole world. <laughs> He's nodding his head. That's yeah. right, that's right. Yeah. Uh, the subject of faith is one that I think is very, obviously very critical to our walk as Christians. And I think one that is often misunderstood as well. Uh, because, you know, sometimes when we think of faith, we almost, th- there's this tendency to associate it with the mystical, sp- spooky side of things sometimes, where it's like, uh, if somebody doesn't get something, or, you know, if somebody is believing God for something or if there's some uncertainty, people will say, ah, no, I'm faithing for this, I'm faithing for that, or, you know, she's mine by faith, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, we've heard, you know, man, in church circles, there's there's all kinds of things that people that people attach to faith or, you know, there's, the the word is thrown around a lot. So I think uh, it's a very important one. So PC, you know, I think you're gonna you're gonna help us really break this down and bring it home. When we speak of faith, what exactly are we talking about? A great question. Uh, of course, I would fall into the temptation of doing what everybody does, and I'm um, falling into it right now. Mm. I'll go straight to Hebrews chapter eleven and verse one, yeah. and I would not use the King James, but um, the NIV. Of course, it depends on what kind of an NIV you've got. But um, my one says, faith is being sure of what we hope for. And it is being certain of what we do not see. So now if I'm to bring that down into my own English, it's basically a confident, assure, a confident assurance internally that uh, something that you want or something that you hope for is actually going to happen. That's how I would. Uh, that's how I would define faith. So it's a it's a very confident assurance, mm-hmm. a very certain internal truth that accepts a certain reality as having happened even before the fact, mm-hmm. or as being so, even without you know a tangible physical proof. Yeah. My I like that. favorite example, well, aside from all the heroes of faith spoken about in Hebrews, my favorite is the woman with the issue of blood. Mm. Because she literally did what you just said. Mm. She had an outcome in mind. Mm. And Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Like, literally that. Like, she pulled out <laughs> the power <laughs> because of her faith. Absolutely. And I agree. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so... Given, I heard my pastor once say, faith is, faith equals persuasion. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this is a very interesting way to put it. But basically when you're persuaded Mm -hmm. about about something, and in this case persuaded about God, about his word, about what um, God says. So I think as we dive deeper into it, um, the Bible says that with each been given a measure of faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, this is my paraphrase. And what what scripture is that, by the way? That's Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, yes, yes. So if we can start there, um, I think that would be a good place to start to say, does every believer have a measure or the measure of faith that they're given by God? And is that something that then begins to grow uh, is faith something we can exercise? Is it like a muscle? Yeah, I think if, if we can 
if we can start there. Start there. I agree. And uh, why I agree that uh, every believer has been given the measure of faith is because, like you rightfully put, the Bible tells us that we've been given the measure of faith. I tend, let me just say this perhaps before I go further, there are various or varying aspects or beliefs or schools of thought with regards to this um, subject of faith. Right. Right. But anyway, let me get into what I want to say. I believe that we've all been given the measure of faith. The people who I concur with tend to believe that the moment every believer is born again, we get an equal amount Mm -hmm. of faith, the measure of faith. For instance, in Zimbabwe, supposing you go to um, one of our fast food outlets, say Chicken Inn, for instance, this is a Zimbabwean example that we can relate with. You ask for a two-piece, right? You're going to get two pieces of chicken and some fries, correct? Mm -hmm. And wherever you go in Zimbabwe, you ask for a two-piece, you're going to get exactly the same portion. So I do believe that everyone who's a believer has been given the measure of faith. Where, where is, wherein is the difference then is our usage of that which we've been given as regards to our lives and the practicalities of the things that we face. So even though we've all been given the measure of faith, how we then use it or how we then apply it gets to differ from person to person. So yeah, so if a person is a believer right now, they've got faith to do exactly the same thing that some of their living faith heroes are doing. Or if you want, some of the biblical figures that we know did because they have actually the measure of faith. I tend to agree with that school of thought, yeah. Okay, interesting. What is the purpose of faith in a believer's life? Wow. Wow. (laughs) I would say faith, without necessarily going straight to answering your question, let me start by saying faith is the foundation upon which, you know, Christianity is, is built. So take out faith, you have got no Christianity to talk about. Okay. Right? Remember, <clears throat> we are saved. You, you're asking about the purpose. Mm-hmm. I'm basically saying it's what we stand on. Right? We cannot be saved without faith. Je, uh, John 3.16 God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him. So in the context of that particular verse, there can be no salvation without faith. Right? And then uh, Hebrews 11 verse 6. It is impossible to please God without faith. Again, you're seeing that basically our, the, the sum total of our interaction with God cannot happen outside of the realm of this very, um, let me use the word, fascinating subject matter called faith. So it's, 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 it's the hinge that Christianity basically, you know, is a fulcrum upon. And without it, there's nothing basically to talk about in terms of what we're doing. Okay. All right. All right. T-Mac. Mm. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of what um, Jesus said to Thomas. Could you mm. bless those who believe without seeing? And is that sort of what you're referring to? That just for us to be believers, it means we are having faith, first of all, in God's existence and that Christ died for us. Like we believe without having seen. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's why I'm saying it becomes the base upon everything else. Mm-hmm. Without having seen Christ, we believed in his death, his resurrection and the message of the gospel, if you want. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's faith, basically, that enabled us to accept what? Christ. Yeah. And the reason I had quoted Hebrews eleven six, for example, I was just trying to, to make reference to it to say then that the essence or the essential aspect of Christianity then is, is, is all moving by faith. Mm-hmm. We pray actually by faith. Yeah. We actually pray by faith. Whenever we ask God, you know, to intervene or to provide or to do whatever it is that he is doing, we're essentially believing before anything has happened. Yeah. Right, I, I I recall you you use the word persuasion. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're already persuaded before something has happened that if we talk to God about it, mm-hmm. right, God is going to do something practical. Right, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily just in the realm of prayer that we exercise faith. Um, we exercise faith even in the things that we do. Right, 
supposing um, we want to pray for the sick, for instance. Right. Mark chapter number 16, when, giving, when Jesus is giving his final um, instructions to the disciples from Mark's perspective, in chapter 16, there's faith there. He says, um, he told them to go preach the gospel, right? And then he uses the often um, quoted scripture, particularly amongst us Pentecostal charismatic and charismatics, and these signs shall follow them that what believe. <coughs> yeah. And then it says, in my name, they shall cast out devils. Right, they shall um, they shall heal the sick, or they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So you, in other words, we pray for the sick, right, or we lay hands on the sick by faith that those sick people are actually going to what recover, because Mark says the signs shall follow only the people that actually believe. Yeah, you see. So then you you essentially are seeing that everything we do is tied to what to faith. And to believing, you know, to believing what God has said um, in his word. One of my favorite, or let me call it one of my anchor mm. scriptures is Ephesians chapter 2. Mm. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, um, which talks about, which says that for, by, for you've been saved by grace mm-hmm. through faith. Through faith. Right, and says, mm-hmm. this is not of yourselves, but mm-hmm. it is the gift of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and he goes on to say, lest anyone should boast. Mm-hmm. Amazing scripture, amazing scripture, which, which basically um, gives, us, gives us the picture of what God has done, that salvation is something that he has done, mm-hmm. a gift that he's given to us. Mm-hmm. But then I also find that often what we then do um, as believers, and I've, I've fallen into this trap as well um i used to at least which is that we reduce faith to a commodity right where instead of fully appreciating what it means that god has given us his grace and this amazing gift um through faith we start treating faith as you know, something where you're saying, you know, I want God to do this for me, so I'm going to believe, I'm going to believe God for it, right? Or where it almost becomes this transactional thing that we do with God. Um, not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with believing God for things, mm-hmm. right? Or believing God for breakthroughs and all of this stuff. But what I'm saying is that don't, rather, let me see, where do we draw the line or how do we manage that? Where, where's this, that risk of us treating faith as a thing that we're just saying, you know what, I want God to do this for me. I'm faithing for this. You know, there's a lot of that talk, especially among Pentecostals, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it often happens at the expense of us not fully grasping the, the depth of what faith actually is. I hope my question is making sense. I think it is. I think it is. Um, and I'm wondering which angle to come into, uh, to come in from. Firstly, I would, I would say perhaps in response to your, to, to your submission, faith is a very broad subject matter. Right. Right. It's a very broad, broad subject matter. I think definitely there might be, um, there might be a danger in that we consider faith just something to... Um, what can I say? Something to just uh, get things selfishly. And James uh, talks about, or at least in, in my view, he addresses that. Mm-hmm. You know, when he says, um, I think it's in chapter 4 of the book of James, when he says, you do not have because you do not ask. Perhaps I'll come back to that in a moment. Then he says, uh, and when you ask, you do not receive because you ask amiss right wanting to do things that basically are just satisfying your sensual or your selfish motives mm-hmm. so then the moment um faith is misplaced i would not want to call it faith supposing it's uh, it's trying to be used uh, hedonistically or selfishly right for me we are already out of the faith when i look at what uh, james says now, when we come back to faith, remember, it is being sure of what we hope for. It is uh, being certain of what we do not see. Faith is ultimately anchored on what God has said. So as far as I'm 
dealing with faith as an individual mm-hmm. if what i'm dealing with is anchored on whatever it is that god has said then i'm walking in what in i'm faith. walking in faith right with regards to getting things let me sound a little bit um crazy here uh, of all the things we could ever want from god you know the biggest the bestest whatever i believe the highest of our aspirations is like a teaspoon in a <laughs> in an ocean there's nothing that we can ever want from god that god is unable to give us and remember i'm talking in context to james chapter 4 here right right and so sometimes believers um they limit what god can do without realizing that the best of our aspirations you know are nothing to god one of my favorite uh, preaching points on faith is actually in matthew chapter 14 the story of peter walking on water and i find a succinct lesson in that particular chapter Jesus comes walking on water when Peter sees it he says lord if it is you bid me to come mm-hmm. Jesus didn't say Peter what are you going to use walking on water for <laughs> how is your life going to benefit from walking on water mm-hmm. you know how is the ministry going to be built by your walking on water what Jesus simply said and for me it's a profound lesson he said come he said come so there are many things you know we would think that god is an issue without with us having yet the response of jesus to peter's seemingly daring response was come you see so i i believe actually when i look at the subject matter of faith is that christians uh, around the world have not been able to maximize the benefits that are in god and in his word you know and provided by this this particular vehicle called faith they could actually step into a lot of things so yeah so so whenever people are now selfish whenever people are now uh, wanting to be sensual or to just um i don't know if sensual is the word but are wanting to uh, you know to just use it for evil methods faith is out of the picture there remember paul also talks about it whatever is not out of faith is actually sin, sin. yeah you see but actually in the hands of a, of a believer faith can do a lot of things remember to him who believes all things mm-hmm. you know all things i don't know what all means to you but the bible says to him who believes all things mm-hmm. are possible so that is the boundless limits of this thing called faith it makes things that looked unfathomable you know unimaginable become a reality and the person of faith is fully persuaded that all things are possible Okay. So I think where we taking it back to having a measure of faith. Mm. Um does it mean that and you said it comes down to some people are using what they've been given mm. and some aren't. Mm. So does it mean that the more you use it the more it increases or like how does the math of faith work? How does how does the math work? <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> you are you're getting me excited and and uh, <laughs> perhaps it's because it's really a, a a passionate measure a passionate subject matter i like what mike murdock dr mike murdock says he said a faith is like a muscle mm-hmm. you know it works best with with constant use mm-hmm. right a lot of people and in some places even a lot of teaching i believe it's a bit misplaced mm-hmm. is focusing people on increasing their faith yeah. instead of using their faith mm-hmm. wow All right. And I'm going to go back to Peter in Matthew chapter number 14. I'm probably going to contradict a lot of what I've heard out there. When when Peter starts sinking in the water, he calls out to Jesus and Jesus picks him up. Yeah. And when Jesus picks him up, you'd think Jesus would be like, "Wow, you nearly died. Mm-hmm. Guy, I'm excited that you're alive." You know? Right. What does Jesus say to Peter? "You of little faith." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then he says, "Why did you doubt?" Why did you doubt? He says you of little faith, why did you doubt? Right. He doesn't say you of little faith, why did you have little faith? He says you of little faith, why did you doubt? Mhm. Right? And let me go back to you of little faith because if you then flip a few pages into Matthew chapter 17. Mhm. After the uh, the disciples have failed to cast out a devil. Mhm. They come back secretly, clever guys, secretly to Jesus and say, "Hey, We did the right thing. The formula was right. Why couldn't we cast this one down? Right. Again, Jesus, his response is interesting when they're brought. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm, I'm going to be teaching actually that, you know, Jesus, 
Jesus is more compassionate with sinners than he is with doubters. Because mm-hmm. when they bring mm-hmm. the boy who they failed to cast out a devil, the response of Jesus is, How long shall I withstand this faithless generation? Right. Jesus, we've been trying to cast out a devil for crying out loud, say. Yeah. At least we're trying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he says, How long shall I? And then and then he explains everything there. But in explaining, he says this if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, mm-hmm. Right? You can say to this mountain, mountain, change address, and it will be done to you. So, faith as tiny as a seed can move a big mountain. Why are we teaching people to increase their faith when faith which, which can move a mountain is as tiny as it is? Now, when he goes to Peter, he says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Mm-hmm. Not why did you have little faith, why did you doubt? It suggests that Peter's faith was sufficient to make him walk on water. Right. It was good enough to make him walk on water. His problem was doubting. So what I'm trying to say, basically, I hope I'm not becoming preachy here, but is we have to teach people to begin to just exercise their faith. Mm-hmm. The other time I was actually asking, maybe I'm running ahead of myself here, that how do you, how do you tell a person's got faith? How do you, how do you see faith? Because faith can be touched. Yeah. You know, you can't see it physically. You know, that kind of a thing. But yeah, we must teach people, you know, to use the little faith that they have, they will be amazed and shocked at the results that will come out. Okay, okay, okay. I like that. I like that. Oh, ye of little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Not why did you have little faith. Why did you doubt? So, you mentioned there that people need to be taught how to exercise their faith. Mm-hmm. Um, the question, or the follow-up question to that for me is how do we actually get people to exercise their faith what 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 are the things that people need to be taught or maybe that people need to do to to, to begin faith. to exercise their faith what Thank does that what does that look like let me answer it in two dimensions uh, um, the first one is let me show you a person with faith from my own research and my own um uh, analysis into the bible and then I'll come directly to the question. Sure, sure, yeah. I've noted that you can tell faith in three levels, right? Your, uh, what I would say, mind or attitude, uh, your speech, the words you say, and your deeds. A lot of people who claim to have faith, and then nothing happened. I had faith. I believed. I prayed. You know, but nothing happened. Sometimes if you just take them through a measure of those three things, these three realms, you might find that sometimes that's where we erred. And so Jesus would say, why did you doubt? Remember, doubt in James chapter 1 is very dangerous. Let mm-hmm. him ask in faith and not, not doubt, doubt. Because anyone who doubts is like a wave of the sea. Tossed. Right? Uh-huh. And he says, let him not expect to get anything, anything from God. From God yeah. So doubt, the moment there's an, a, a speck of doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I understand in one of our milk producers in Zimbabwe, <laughs> mm-hmm. even if you've got 20,000 liters of clean milk, just a speck of um, impurity in it makes the whole lot be piled away. Right. So you see, so 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 the moment, sometimes we're very compassionate, and I understand, but sometimes we're very compassionate on people who had doubt. And we never really come back to revisit that. That's why I said Jesus was very tough on doubters, soft on sinners, mm. but tough on doubters. And that's a lesson for us. Yeah. So in attitude, I, for I actually example, want to, we're going to come back because I've got a, I've got a question on the, on the aspect of <laughs> doubt, but we're, we're not going to go there now. Um, I'll let you finish. Okay. So the attitudes, for example, mm-hmm. peace is an attitude of faith. Mm-hmm. So for example, you pray about something and you're still stressed. You are not walking in faith. I prayed about it, you know, I prayed about it, you know. So the moment a person is stressing about something they've prayed for, they are not in faith, mm-hmm. right? Joy is there. I, I, the word is agalomayo. It's in, um, should be John chapter 5. Is it John chapter 4 or John chapter 8? Jesus talking to the Pharisees, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced at, at seeing at my, my day. day. Uh-huh. 2,000 years right. prior to Jesus coming, Abraham was thrilled. If you knew that $2 million has entered into your bank account and the people who wanted their deaths were knocking on your door, but you just knew, you know, 
If you knew that you've just made a billion dollars, but somehow, somewhere, you have to walk 50 kilometers on foot because you can't afford a dollar yet, right? How would you feel internally? So the moment you see believers without joy, I guarantee you that faith is, is missing somewhere there. Because the ability, the same way you would rejoice once you take delivery of something. Remember, faith is internal. So before it is it's actually come and manifested, before my, my healing is manifested, I must be as thrilled about it, you know, before it has happened. Because faith is being sure, right, of what you hope for and certain of what you don't, you don't see. The same way a person who's taking it physically feels, a person of faith does it before it's even shown up. So you've got joy, you've got peace, you've got expectation. Expectation expectation it's an attitude you've got you've got persistence you've got persistence you hear a person say I, I, I prayed about it and I prayed about it and you know I just prayed about it but God didn't do something if you believe God has done it why have you stopped praying first Kings chapter 18 Elijah kept praying until rain came you see that's persistence Luke chapter 18 the uh, the widow the importunity of the widow. She did. Now, if God says by his stripes you are healed, right? He promises that we are healed by his stripes. He is not a liar. Unless we have to remove that verse from the Bible. So if God says by his stripes I am healed, he doesn't lie. Now, I believe God you've healed me, so I pray for healing. And healing hasn't come. Is God a liar? No. So why do I stop praying? The widow kept praying until he came. And if you read the story in Luke chapter 18, the Bible says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Mm -hmm. Which suggests that sometimes certain, 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 certain prayer requests don't just happen instantly. So persistence is, ne is a necessity. But my favorite of those attitudes is patience. Hebrews says you have need of patience. Again, if you know your money is coming and the bank has told you or the government has told you it's coming, right? What is a weight to you? Unless you don't believe the government or they are a bunch of liars. So people of faith by nature have got a patience, you know, that they carry. So now sometimes, you know, hear people saying, you know, I, I faithed and I whatever. But in essence, they're just saying words that were not reflected in their actual actions. So you see faith in, in attitude. You see faith in um, even speech. Speech. Mm -hmm. Let the weak say, I am strong. Right. Let the weak say, mm -hmm. I'm strong. Let the weak say. The weak must say, I'm, uh, they must not say I'm weak. They must say I'm strong. Mm -hmm. And then there's faith actions. These matter a lot. Right. So the person who's sick must begin to act like they're healed. Remember Peter in Matthew chapter 14? He didn't wait for the water to become solid. Neither did he stick out his leg in the water, you know, to check if this water is walk, walking type of water, <laughs> right? A lot of people, when that's why I said using their faith, you know, they, they make certain prayers for certain things, but they don't act it out. You know, they don't act it out. He believes God for business to work, but he doesn't go and then put in the work. So, so this is how you, you see faith. Now, the second or the, the real aspect of your question was, so how do we get people? How do we get people to, you know, to, to exercise their faith? I, I give four simple solutions. I call them faith boosters. Okay. And if you have these, whether you like it or not, in fact, if you're the most anti-faith person, if you do these very things, you'll find yourself believing God for crazy things. The first faith booster is the word of God. The word of God, the more you consume the word, sooner or later you start believing the very things that that word has. The word is fluid. The word is a hammer. The word is a rock. The word is fire. There's no way you can continue consuming the word and remain the same. So you see, the one thing about the word of God is it begins to place ideas within you that the reality of what God said in the word is going to happen. So the word, so how do we get people to exercise their faith? Let them be in the word a lot. Mm -hmm. A lot. More than in the doctor's report, please, with all due respect to that, right? More than in the reality of economic reports, the statistics, the numbers, the whatevers, you know, more in the word than in your situations. Number two, prayer. Jude verse 20, Jude chapter 1 verse 20. Mm -hmm. You brethren, building yourself in the most holy, holy faith, faith, praying in the spirit. In the here's, here's what I found. Here's what I found. You can never be high on prayer and low on faith. Never. 
If a person is low on faith, I guarantee you they are also low in the prayer prayer room. But the more a person relates with God because you become who you spend time with, what happens is that you begin to have a confidence, a certain confidence that nobody can take away from you. You know, even if we told you you're dying tomorrow, but there's there's something that happens when you spend such a lot of time or time with God that builds your faith. That's um, that's prayer, right? Number three, testimonies. Okay. Testimonies build faith. The Bible says in John chapter four, the whole city believed in Jesus because of the Samaritan woman's testimony. I pray for churches to open up testimonies. Testimonies are like you hearing COVID statistics. The, the truth of COVID statistics is the more you hear about them. And then the more you know that the person you know, and that person you know, and that person you know died. Suddenly you're thinking, hey, this thing could be coming after me. Or rather, if you discover that in your neighborhood, house number three, five, seven, and nine got ganked and robbed violently. Now in the night in your own house, if you just hear something creaking in the, in the, in the, in the roof, you're wondering, hey, are they here for me now? So testimonies have that effect of galvanizing our faith to say, if God can do it for so and so. And then finally, people, you know, people, I, I use Matthew chapter 14 as well mm -hmm. to talk about, you know, if you're going to use your faith, there are certain people, if you hang around them, the same way Jesus came into Peter's way, you know, Peter didn't realize that even though he was a fisherman, a swimmer, a sailor, there's something that was in him he didn't know which is walking on water. So some of us, there are certain people who will infuse ideas in us of faith just by associating with them. So that's how, you know, we get people to, um, to exercise their faith. Yeah. I like that. Faith boosters. Faith boosters. It's a book and it's coming. Oh, yes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on. Come on now. Okay, cool. So the book is coming, guys. Uh, doubt. Jesus refers a lot to doubt, like you said. If you have faith, if you do not doubt, James talks about doubt. Mm. Um, the subject of doubt is a very, it's a very interesting one because, mm. on one end, okay, when we speak of doubt in a biblical sense, what does that actually mean? Does it mean that the moment somebody has a question, or the moment somebody feels a little dejected or a little um, discouraged? Have they doubted and have they dis disqualified themselves? Um, is, is it the kind of thing where when you're trusting God for something, you have to just somehow have the persuasion that God is going to do it? And the moment, I've used the example there of uh, the, a speck of dirt in a gallon of milk or something and how they, they, they have to toss the whole thing away. Is doubt like that or... Mm -hmm. Does is there room for some sort of doubt? Mm. Because we're human. Because sometimes things are going to happen that that discourage you. Um, so I guess my, my question there is: mm. What exactly is the doubt being spoken about here, and uh, that the kind of doubt that then disqualifies us, so mm. to speak? Brilliant question. Before you answer, uh. I want to piggyback and ask a practical. And ask if doubt is the same as unbelief. Absolutely. With, um, it was the centurion, right? Mm -hmm. Was it? Who Would, said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Who was it? Yeah, it was one of those home. One of those home. the ruler. Yeah. Right. Doubt is unbelief. Doubt is same unbelief. Thing. It's the same WhatsApp group. <laughs> doubt is the antithesis of faith. What faith is, doubt is the opposite. Whereas faith believes God, for example, has done something. Doubt refuses, all right, the reality that God has already done that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the moment a person um, accepts within their heart the impossibility of something to happen by God's agency, they are flowing in what? In doubt. There must never be a speck of doubt whatsoever in a person. Let me show you why. And I hope this example will, um, will help you. And this is Romans chapter number 4, right? From verse number 18, the Bible says, Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Verse 19, Romans chapter 4. Without weakening in his faith, 
He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was a hundred years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver in unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in faith and gave glory to God. Strengthened in faith. 21. Being fully persuaded. Being fully persuaded. So faith is the place where you cannot believe any other possibility except what God has said. So even if the situation is speaking loud, is giving clear facts, clear signals, even if the body, the one which is sick, you know, in this particular case, remember, the body of Abraham was dead. Sarah's body was dead. It wasn't partially dead. It, 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 the Bible says as good as dead. So there was no ounce of proof that these guys could bring out a son. Yeah. But watch his faith now. The Bible says he did not waver in unbelief. And somehow, somewhere, his faith kept getting strengthened. And then the point I wanted to bring out there, verse 21, being fully persuaded. So in Abraham's system, there was no way nations were not coming out of him. Even if he's 100, the only reality he's believing is not even the fact that you're an old man. The only thing he accepts is that what God said, God is going to do. In fact, if you, if you read later, the Bible says that actually, that he believed that what God said, God had the power to, what, to, to fulfill. And this is where many of us, you know, falter and fail. And then we claim that we were walking in faith. You see, and then we've got these good uh, explanations, but somehow, somewhere when you then measure it against the scriptures, you then wonder, so where, where's the problem? Did God lie? Right? Or, or what? And so, so doubt really, like I'm saying, is when your mind, or if you want your heart, begins to brook at, you know, the possibility of whatever it is that God has said not happening. Whether you feel it slightly, whether it's very strong. Doubt must never exist in the heart of a believer. You of little faith, why did you doubt? You see, why did you doubt? Your faith wasn't even the problem. The issue here is just you entertained, you know, you entertained doubt. I go back to Genesis chapter 3, and that's what the devil does. You see, in the book of Genesis chapter 3, do you notice the conversation the, the serpent had with Eve? When we preach... You see, we say the devil is in the process or always in the business of sowing seeds of what? Doubt. Doubt. Yeah. So what God has said, you know, he just chucks a, a few seeds that you start wondering, wow, yeah, I know that God heals the sick, but, you know, this is looking like, you know, it's, it's a goner, this one, that kind of a thing. So, so you must be full. The person of faith is fully persuaded. How do they get to the place of full persuasion? The word. Prayer testimonies and people by the, by people i don't mean all kinds of people but what's happening with most of us now those of us that struggle with faith is we're always looking at the waves like peter mm -hmm. so peter starts walking but as he's walking he, remember he was never walking on calm waters he started walking in very murky or high waves kind of waters he was walking in that but the moment his focus shifted from jesus who is the word you know, the moment his focus shifted on what Jesus said, the moment Jesus said, come, that word was enough to keep Peter from sinking. But the, he took the focus from Jesus, from what Jesus had said, suddenly he started looking at these waves and mm, he began to, probably he might have looked back and noticed he's the only one walking. Maybe when he said it, he thought everybody else would come out. <laughs> you know, and suddenly, ah, yeah, I'm, I'm the only one. And everyone, you know, normally doubt is the ultimate result of focus, of misplaced focus. So whenever a person is good, well, at whatever level, at whatever degree, so the higher the doubt, perhaps the person is focusing on the problem. And remember, a problem you focus on continues to grow in, in magnitude right. in, in your system. Right. So, so doubt must never be there, even at the slightest bit. So the person must constantly be getting strengthened in faith like Abraham. Yeah. PC, I think what we struggle with, um, I can't say more, but... Mm. Assume, okay, fine. Yes, we can say we're having faith for a certain outcome which we can't see, but we're believing that God will do this thing for mm. us, right? Mm. But we get stuck in the process. Mm. Just like how 
we could say that Abraham also got a bit like <laughs> confused a little bit there in the process, like, or oh, maybe it can come through. What's the servant's name again? Okay. Hagar. Today my memory is just Hagar. He then shifted, not shifted focus. He still had the same end goal, but then now he was no longer believing for it to come through Sarah. And that's not um, what the Bible says, actually. Well, okay. Then it was Sarah, not Abraham. Right? Remember. Sarah is the one who had done yes. It. And if you come back to Romans chapter 4, the Bible is very clear there that Abraham was strengthened in faith. Mm-hmm. What happened with the Ishmael incident is the wife, on the other hand, and this is no attack on women, right? <laughs> but she felt, <laughs> she felt that, uh, you know, God is, 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 is delaying, so let's make a plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, that plan. One day we'll talk about making a plan. <laughs> but the fact that she convinced like, Sounds like house, Abraham needs a hug. You so know. Let's get hugger. <laughs> oh, wow. So you see? So, so when we look at Abraham, he was, he was firmly convinced. Yeah. Tell you what, all of us must have the faith that is written in the book of Hebrews. Uh, right? And, and I think I've said it even in some previous um, chapters. Even Hebrews chapter 11, which we use, I have to be careful to also let the audience know the context of Hebrews chapter 11 is not about healing, miracles, and possessing things. Mm-hmm. Hebrews chapter 11 is to people who are about to give up on believing in Jesus. Yeah, altogether, yeah. You see? Yeah. It start, it's a church that's been persecuted so bad that they're wanting to leave the faith. Yeah. Right? Just like a person who's been sick, I'm just using sickness, mm-hmm. who's been so sick for a long time mm-hmm. that this Jehovah heals business, they're about to let it go. Mm-hmm. Or the person who's been so broke for so long. Or the single lady who's listening to me, you know, who's had a fair share of missteps with regards to men, She's just about to say, I don't believe God brings men. So this is the context of Hebrews chapter 11. And now in Hebrews chapter 11, there's something that, that, that said there that I love, which we must learn. Faith until the very end. In verse number 13, the Bible says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. So these people died believing. All right, they didn't give up at any stage. To the last breath, he's still saying what God said God's going to do. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you go down, you know, right? Verse 16, the Bible says, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. So you see, you're seeing a faith to the very end, not something that then, you know, shifts goalposts or shifts um, targets or plans because of changed circumstances, or because rather circumstances haven't changed uh, in the good. And believers need to be taught this kind of faith. Like I said, we could talk about healing, we could talk about um, provision, we could talk about marriage, and so forth. But if you also then see from Hebrews chapter 11, it's ultimately coming down to holding on to faith in Jesus. Why am I saying this? Thank you. Because for some people, you know, they gave up on God can heal. Now they've given up on God can provide. Eventually, they're just going to give up on God completely. Mm-hmm. Right? Why didn't God heal my father? So, ah, you know, I, I don't believe God can. If God be, exists, why is there so much evil in the world? Yeah. So even though we, 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 we've been uh, making noise about all these other aspects of faith, you'd notice that, remember, it's a measure of faith. I'm talking a lot. So there's no faith for money, faith for healing, faith for whatever. It's the measure of faith, yeah. which means that it applies in every aspect. It's just that people don't use it in certain aspects. Mm-hmm. So some may have confidence financially, but not. Uh, and I'm saying this to say, if we don't grasp or utilize it in every aspect of our life, who knows whether we actually end up believing in God altogether. Mm-hmm. Paul says, every man must examine himself to see, see whether he is in, in the, the faith. faith. You see, so eventually it comes back to, you know, faith in Jesus ultimately. Yeah. So as you're talking about Hebrews 11 there, I'm just thinking, I think it's, of course, you know, it's such a rich, such a rich scripture. I remember I was listening to a sermon. This is several years ago. And the pastor was actually giving the context of uh, the the church that um, the author of Hebrews um, is addressing. And also then, you know, given the context of Hebrews 11 and how that was really giving them the charge to say, this is what your predecessors and all these guys have endured mm-hmm. for the faith. So don't don't quit, mm. you know, in face of the persecution, in mm. face of um, 
all all the different things that you um yeah that 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 are confronting you the the thing that i want to ask regarding that is that you know we're living in a world today where it's really become anti faith mm-hmm. in many ways mm-hmm. anti faith anti god if you look at um what's happening the, the kind of news that that you're getting if you look at some of the discuss discussions I beg your pardon discussions that are happening on the different platforms if you look at just there's like a barrage of information that is coming that is anti faith and you, you you're getting a lot of people questioning the faith questioning mm-hmm. the validity of christianity mm. all these kinds of things mm. and i think it's very easy for someone who's constantly tuning into all of that mm. to to begin to to actually entertain some of those um questions and those doubts and i've you know i'm i'm constantly speaking to people and you 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 begin to hear these conversations that people are having some of the questions people are asking you know, okay but dude how did we get here mm. so for me the the question right and i i really want to ask more of a practical question here not that what we've been t- talking about is not practical mm. but somebody who's there who's who's thinking you know what i have tried this i have tried believing god um they are feeling anxious about everything that is out there they're beginning to have questions mm-hmm. maybe some are even on the on the fence yeah. right how do they begin to take a step in the in the in the right direction um i know you you spoke about the the bo- the, the faith the, the faith boosters right what what how can we even make that i guess more more practical how, how does someone who is thinking you know what guys i don't even know if god <laughs> exists anymore you know and and that's where they're at how does someone protect themselves from um all the all these things that are happening uh all the news and all these things that are coming at people at Christians today. You know what I'm almost uh, tempted to go back to the faith boosters mm. because listen uh, food for instance let me perhaps a person is listening to me right here they will never be a day a living human being can do without food. Nobody can say I'm 50 years old I have eaten enough in all my 50 years of existence. I tender my resignation to food. I think I'm going to be all right. You see, the moment food is taken out of a person's life, death is imminent. Let me use food in the terms of a baby. We never pray for babies to grow. No, we don't put anointing oil on them, lay hands on them and have all night vigils to say, "Grow. I decree that child increase in height, weight, skin texture and hair." No. We feed them. and growth naturally happens. Mm-hmm. To the person who's having doubts about whether the existence of God is there firstly I'll just encourage you if you're listening to me go back into that book called the Bible. Read it. Read it in and out and in and out and in and out. Something is going to happen into your system. Now all of us we never grew we never realized we were growing we just noticed we've grown. that's what the word of god does when the word of god is constantly consumed by a person it brings certain changes so the individual who's on the fence i can guarantee you somewhere along the line they will they can con- they can admit even if they're listening to me right now that at some stage they stopped reading the bible right so this person who stopped eating food right who then suddenly gets sick of certain diseases there are certain diseases people catch right where we just know that these issues are what they're nutritional yeah. we don't even need uh, to do deep studies to that so when you see a person um, you know uh, going weak on the faith you can be sure that nutrition was 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 messed up there mm-hmm. the person who's listening to me right now who's beginning to doubt god i can tell you it's hard to doubt god when you're in constant fellowship with believers it's it's hard it's hard right it's easy to doubt god when you're out of fellowship with what with believers right if you look at peter in the run up to jesus is crucifixion the bible says he followed jesus at a distance that's how it starts it says when jesus was taken peter followed at a distance from following at a distance the bible says he stood around a fire with a crowd that was in the court 
the next thing you hear is that he betrayed Jesus. So again, the person who's listening to me right here, who's or a person who might know people who are brooking issues of not believing God, it's not that God is not there or science has proven him otherwise. They've just, they started, you know, they started straying until they got into a wrong crowd. In that place, it's very difficult to say, I know Jesus. Peter literally swore. He swore to say, I have no idea. You see people who've been used in power, people who've preached and brought many uh, to God, and then suddenly they're saying, I don't believe this Jesus I preached about. Mm -hmm. You know, yet there are people who are living testimonies who were preached by these guys who are now rejecting the faith. What happened? They strayed, you know, into a wrong crowd. Just like those animals in those wildlife uh, documentaries. You know, when they go to the waterhole, it's at the waterhole. You know, sometimes where a lot of, where a lot of these uh, animals are just snapped by some of these beasts. So whenever a believer finds themselves in the wrong place, they're, 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 they're setting themselves up for an epic fail. I like that. I like that. I do. I like that. Um, so, PC, back to the process. Um, faith and healing are one of those things that are inextricably linked for the believer. So you do have some who feel that if I now go to the doctor or if I now seek treatment or if I now whatever problem, whatever the problem might be, whether you, it's mental health issues or whatever, <laughs> they feel or they're made to feel sometimes by certain churches that if you seek help outside of simply having faith, you're now showing a lack of faith. Well, that's interesting. And I've heard that a lot. I've got a controversial one to throw now. I've actually got a more controversial one to throw. Bring it. The ones who say that God can heal you without medicine, they're the ones who are normally attacked more these days. Right? So let me go back to your first, mm. your first uh, assertion. Yeah. Having faith in God does not mean um, cancelling out medical solutions. Correct? Mm -hmm. But having faith in God, to the person who chooses to have faith in God, right, without necessarily the agency of medical solutions, um, is not a sin either. Yeah. And so we now find that sometimes for a person, remember, Jesus says, let it be done to you according to your what? Your faith. faith. So you can't impose a solution on somebody. Mm -hmm. What I find is that uh, people who choose this path, you know, I don't take pills, for example, yeah. tend to get berated. They tend to get ostracized. Almost like the person who says, I like Fanta, and then it's like, you hate Coke. You know, that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. You like Fanta because actually you hate Coke, the reason why you hate Coke, etc., etc. Um, a person's choice um, has a lot to do with their faith. The person who believes that I'm going to find solutions in medicine, in a sense, they're showing faith in medication, and the Bible is not anti-medicine. It's actually quite good. Preachers who would, um, who would rebuke people for that, for me, uh, 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 um, I'm moving on the bounds of, of total error. Mm -hmm. Remember, because it's done to you according to your faith. Yeah. So now telling a person who doesn't believe in healing, miraculous healing, to not go to the hospital is dangerous. It's very, very dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. A person is not on your, is, is not on your faith wavelength. Where they, you know, they don't need anything ingested into their system to be all right. Yeah. You now can't impose certain decisions on them, mm. right? If anything goes wrong, you are to blame there. Mm. Okay, so we must never do that. At the same time, like I said, unfortunately, what I see in the world now is that there's a, an ostracizing of people who also have chosen to totally believe God. So the person who says, I'm not taking this operation, God will heal me. Eish, 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 eish. You see, it becomes as if they're almost sinning, you know, or they're they are doing wrong against God. I believe, even in the world, actually, people are given freedom not to have certain medical procedures taken on them. So I know certain people who've had uh, serious terminal illnesses who said, I'm believing God, I ain't doing this, and guess what? God healed them. Mm. Right, so people must have the freedom to exercise their faith should they so wish. Mm -hmm. 
remembering that they bear the outcomes of their what of their decisions mm. so yeah so so the church must never or the pastors right must never force people to undertake or not uh, get uh, therapy that's medicinal if they should so wish let people decide let it be done to you according to your faith, faith. let it be done to you according to your faith you see so they should give people freedom should a person choose to do otherwise let him believe God and let him stand on what God is what has said. And I think that's very wise advice because um, I love what my pastor, I'm referring to my pastor a lot today, was saying last Sunday, just this last Sunday, uh, about the whole vaccination issue. Because, of course, you know, it's a big contentious issue in many circles where you've got people who are of the view that you have to take the vaccination um, and, you know, it's for the good of everyone. It's for you, you, uh, it raises your chances of withstanding the virus or all, all this stuff. Yeah. Right. Then you've got people who are like, no, I've got natural immunity. And of course, I'm not a medical person, so I don't want to speak authoritatively. But I'm just saying, so you've got people like that were saying, no, but I've actually had COVID. So how, how, how come my natural immunity doesn't matter? Why do I still need the vaccine? Right. What my pastor said was, he said, you know what? There are those of us who don't want to take the vaccine. We've chosen to believe God. We're like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to take the vaccine, right? In faith. And he says, but then the, the others who've chosen to take the vaccine. Yeah. Ultimately, whatever you do, do it in faith. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And I just thought that was, it was so simple and yet so profound yeah. to say that our faith is not in a vaccine or in a medical procedure or in um, what, whatever in the medical system, but our faith is in God. And f for whatever reason, whether it's because, you know, somebody just prefers the natural or the, the medical um, route because they, for them, it's more practical. They can see it. It's more tangible, whatever. Mm. Or if somebody says, no, I'm, not, I'm actually not going to do it. I don't want to do it because... I think it's it's important for us to realize that people exercise their faith in different ways. But even if w whatever choice we make, mm -hmm. it has to be made in faith. I just thought, wow, that is so that is so so profound because I think it helps a lot of people, a lot of us, you know, to. Uh, and I agree totally yeah. to that. You know, um, I would further add the reason why I, I I want to encourage people to believe in miracles. I remember when I was preaching on the Holy Spirit a bit earlier on this year, mm -hmm. I then added there are things that only miracles can solve. Hmm. The psalmist in Psalm 119, he says, to all perfection, I see a limit. a limit. So you see, the perfect medical solutions, the perfect engineering solutions, you know, can fail in certain accidents. Yeah. The, the, the most perfect agricultural solutions may be able to not withstand certain droughts. Right. You see, there are all sorts of, outside of the medical field, there are certain things that only the hand of God can change. And so this is why miracles are there for the church or for the believers. To say in places where everything else fails us, you know, we've got this resource from God. However, they only come by faith. Uh, uh, Romans 4, the promise comes through faith. You know, so we must also encourage the children of God to know that, you know what, have a provision in your heart and in your spirit for miracles. That's good. Because sometimes in having faith in these aspects, people now go to the very, it's like there are two poles. Mm -hmm. God only does miracles, he can't heal using medication. God does medicine, quit talking about miracles and mm -hmm. putting people's lives at risk, right? You know, so there are things that only miracles can do. What do you do with the person who the cancer specialist says all we can do is to take him into palliative care? What do you do with the person who's, um, who's, uh, who's brain dead? You know, what do you do with that child who's got multiple sclerosis or some of those um, very congenital malformations mm -hmm. that there's no known solution for? Mm -hmm. And so believers also have to learn to practice believing for miracles. And sometimes I urge people to start even in the small things. Yeah. You know, I remember a few years ago, I always used to declare in our church, none of us get flu, especially in winter. None of us get flu, especially in winter. I, little did I know that would have COVID. Mm. 
And so the lesson I learned there is, if you can't have faith for God to just cure a headache, what about the day you're told that you've got a tumor that no medical solution can solve? Now, what happens with faith is you have been given the measure of faith. So the same faith that takes care of a headache is absolutely the same faith that removes a tumor. So why don't people use it? It's because in their mind, you see, to them, ah, I need to pray, I need to go to the mountain, I need to... So, But the person who's constantly learning to just speak divine health over the system, in fact, they might not even have to deal with a tumor, right? By speaking each and every day divine health, they might, cons- they, they might actually permanently cut that out. So it's good to learn to use faith in small things because you never know what day you'll need a miracle. That's and great. I dare say there's none of us who ever live through this entire life and not come to a place where we need a miracle. Yeah. No ways. This is really good. This is really good. We are out of time, and I know there's still a lot to talk about. But uh, PC, thank you so much for this because... I think these are important reminders because the subject of faith is one that we often just, I think we take for granted as believers. We think, I know, man, I know what it's about because we know a couple of scriptures and stuff. But then, you know, the practicalities of it, what it means to walk by faith, what it means to exercise your faith. And I love what you're saying there at the last point, which is that um, are we still believing God for miracles or have we totally excluded that option in the way that we do life uh, in the name of being Practical, practical. <laughs> you know, so I think that's something that um, that we, we need to go back to, that we all need to, to, to really think about. So thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.